Hello ladies and welcome to the Amazing Bible Dot Book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If you want to contact me with regards to questions or comments, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Today we are finishing up Leviticus with chapters 21 through 27, and chapter 21 starts with, And the Lord said to Moses, Speak unto the priests, the sons of Aaron, and say to them, And God lays out, what things which would make the priest unclean or defiled. And they are not to touch a dead body except if it is a specific close relative. In the case of Aaron and his two sons that died, they could not touch them because, number one, the sons had not followed God's rules and their death was judgment upon them. And number two, Aaron was anointed and his clothes were anointed and he could not leave the tabernacle, which is why relatives came and got the bodies. The priests were not to be bald, nor have a shaved beard, nor cuts in their flesh, and if they were to get married, they would need to marry a virgin. In verses 16 and 17, the Lord told Moses to say to Aaron and to the high priest that if a Levite male has a blemish or is blind or lame or has a disfigured nose or a deformed limb or a broken foot or a broken hand or a crooked back or a dwarf or blemished eyes or eczema or scabs or crushed male parts, none of these men may approach to offer the bread of God, and they are not allowed to bring the offering of fire unto the Lord. However, he may eat of the bread of his God, both the holy and the most holy. He just may not go to the veil or come to the altar. And why was this rule here? Because of the holiness of God. Just as a lamb or bull or goat was to be the best of the sacrifice of God and without blemish, so was the priest who was to present that offering. In chapter 22, it starts off with the Lord spoken to Moses saying, Speak unto Aaron and to his sons, and God lays out what's holy and what is profane, and the priests were to separate themselves from the profane. Why is this? Because I, the Lord, do sanctify them. Verse 17 and 18 starts again. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons and all the children of Israel, and say to them, None of their animals which are offered unto God shall have a blemish. Then verses 31 through 33 ties up the why in all of this. They shall keep God's commandments and do them because I am the Lord. You shall not profane my holy name, but I will be hallowed or clean or sanctified among the children of Israel. I am the Lord that hallowed or cleansed or sanctified you and brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord. Chapter 23 starts, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, and this was concerning the feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy assemblies or convocations. 
And even these are my feast. I love that. God is saying, these are my feast that I'm basically letting you participate in. And the first one is the Sabbath. And already we've read the Sabbath is so important. And it's stressed again here. Six days you work on the seventh day you rest. A holy convocation. That's a special service. You don't work and nobody in your dwelling will work. And nobody that's with you shall work. And then we have the different feasts that are listed. In verses 5 through 9, we're in chapter 23 still. We have the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. This is the reminder that God delivered them from Egypt and they didn't have time to raise the bread because they were going to be leaving quickly. So those two are put together. Then we have in verses 10 through 18, the first fruits. And here they offer the first part of the grain offering, which was probably the barley at that time. And in that, they had a burnt offering, a meat offering, a drink offering, and that meat offering was a sweet savor unto the Lord. They don't eat of their harvest until they bring their offering to the Lord. It's similar to what we do as Christians and tithing. We bring first that 10% of what God has allowed us to have before we spend all the rest of our money. I'm not the best gardener in the world. Most of the time I kill plants. We tried, my husband and I, to grow a garden because at our church they had some land that was used for that. And we were great at growing weeds and everything else was a struggle for us. It was probably because we did not spend the time that some of our seniors had the time to spend on it. And I remember... For the first time, I got a little tomato, and it was beautiful. And so at our church, we had a table where people had extra food that they could bring it and set it out on the table for anybody at church to take it. And it was wonderful. We would get tomatoes and cucumbers and all those kinds of things. And I remember having that first tomato that looked good and how I wanted so desperately to taste it and see what it was like. But the reminder of bringing our first fruits to the Lord because God has provided this food and he will provide the food in the future. And so I can trust him and I am to bring the first and the best of my crop. And I struggled inside. I wanted that first tomato that I grew But the truth is, is I didn't grow it. God grew it. God was the provider of the seed. God was the provider of the sun and the water. God provided all of it so that I could have that one little bitty tomato. And I ended up taking it over and setting it on the table when no one was looking. And of course, it was gone by the end of church that day. But I understood for the first time really what the first fruits means versus just writing a tithe to the Lord every week at church. Well, after the first fruits, 50 days later came Pentecost. The Greek word for 50 is where the word Pentecost comes from. And this is a new meat offering. They bring two wave loaves 
with leaven this time. They bring burnt offering by fire, which is a sweet savor. And this is in celebration of the wheat season. They were to bring sin offerings and peace offerings. And this stressed thanksgiving that God provided their necessities. In verse 22 of chapter 23, they are to leave some of the crop for the poor and for the stranger because I am the Lord. God cares for the weak and God cares for the poor. And this is where we get the story of Ruth later on in the Old Testament. Ruth gathered the extra that was in the fields and brought that home to her mother-in-law. And that's because of this law that was set aside that they don't take everything that the crop provides. They leave some for those in need. Verses 23 through 32 is about the day of atonement. And it says, And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, The first day of the month, blow trumpets. This begins the civil new year and the call of the trumpets to prepare for the day of atonement, which happened. This All of this happened on the seventh month of the Jewish calendar. The 15th day of the month was the Feast of Tabernacles, and they did that for seven days. It can also be called the Feast of Booths. It was a solemn assembly, and they were reminded that God provided and cared for them while they were in the wilderness. Verse 43 says, The reason for this is that your generation may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt, for I am the Lord your God. And then verse 44, And Moses declared unto the children of Israel the feasts of the Lord. Chapter 24 starts, And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel. And they were to bring pure olive oil for the pure candlestick, which was before the Lord. And they were to bring the showbread and the things that were needed for the tabernacle. Then in verses 10 through 23, we see what I think is the first incident of stoning in the Old Testament. And it was from a son of an Israelite woman and an Egyptian father. He not only cursed, but he blasphemed the name of the Lord. The people brought him to Moses and the people who heard testified. And at the Lord's direction, the congregation was to put their hands on him and then to stone him to death. This reminded the people that God's name is holy. And then this led to other such directives, such as if a man kills a man, he too must die. If a man kills a beast, he must pay for the beast. And then whatever is done to someone, it shall be done to them. The eye for eye and the tooth for tooth and a blemish for blemish. In chapter 25, the Lord spoke unto Moses in Mount Sinai, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, When you come into the land, from here to the end of the book, land is mentioned about 30 times. And then we see that not just the people should keep the Sabbath rest, but the land and the fields and the vineyard should also rest. And this should happen every seven years. God does care about the environment. 
we then see, starting in verse 8, a jubilee year. So you have every seven years, the earth has a Sabbath. And then seven of those seven years, which makes 49 years, on that next year, on the 50th year, and it's supposed to be each 50th year, they are to blow the trumpets of Jubilee to sound on the Day of Atonement. On this day of Jubilee, property was to be returned to the family who owned it originally. Hebrew slaves and families were released and the land was given rest. In this chapter, God reminds them that they are not to oppress one another, which is listed in verse 17, but that they should fear their God, for I am the Lord your God. Michael Card, a Christian musician, wrote a song called Jubilee, and the chorus goes, Jubilee, Jubilee, Jesus is the Jubilee, debts forgiven, slaves set free, Jesus is our Jubilee. One thing to note is that nowhere in the Bible does it say that the year of Jubilee was celebrated. And maybe it had to wait for Jesus to show up to show us what true Jubilee looks like. When we look at chapters 26 and 27, we see blessings when we are obedient and various disciplines which come with continued disobedience. Verse 12 of chapter 26 says, And I will walk among you and will be your God, and you will be my people. Three important commands that they were to follow. Don't make or worship idols. Keep the Sabbath day and reverence the tabernacle, which is the place where God dwells. Dr. Betts, my Old Testament professor, said Leviticus ends with a promise of recovery and hope and a reminder that the Lord God will not reject them or forget his covenant that he has made with them. The last verse of the book of Leviticus says, These are the commands which the Lord commanded Moses for the children of Israel in Mount Sinai. Another thing Dr. Betts said with regards to the book of Leviticus is the law in Leviticus itself may refer just to Israel, but the purpose and the character of God are beneficial to us today. He also said that all outward forms of a religious practice possess a symbolic significance. For example, The Passover taught redemption by God, and it points to the blood of Christ, which has been applied to our lives so we have life and not death. The unleavened bread taught separation from their past slavery to the new life with the Lord. Plus, it represents Jesus' body that was broken for us, like the bread is torn for us. With Pentecost, we have thanksgiving because God provides for the necessities of Israel. And in Acts, the Holy Spirit comes on Pentecost and provides all that we need for life and godliness. That verse is found in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. 
The celebration of trumpets, which opens the civil year for Israel, called God to remember Israel needed his blessing, and it prepared the people for the Day of Atonement, which was coming. And it helps remind us that one day, as in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangels and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remaining shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall ever be with the Lord. Amen. Then we have the day of atonement where we see that God graciously forgives all sin and our sin gets placed on the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And that Lamb of God is Jesus. And then we have the Festival of Booths, which reminds us that God gives fatherly care and provision when we are still in the wilderness. But someday we will enter the promised land. With regards to the sacrifices, as Dr. Betts taught, the burnt offering taught reconciliation. The grain offering taught God is the provider of all that we have. The peace offering taught fellowship with God. And the sin and the guilt offering taught confession of sin. At one time, I thought the best word to describe Leviticus was the law. But it's more than that. And the word itself basically means the Levites, the keeper of the tabernacle, but it is so much more than that. Then I thought maybe worship, but that has such mixed images of what worship even means that that won't do. Can you guess what one word ties all of the book of Leviticus together? Holiness. Chapters 17 through 25 are even referred to as the holiness code. God says over and over, that items in the tabernacle are either holy or these are the most holy. And Aaron and even his clothes are either holy or most holy. And God says many times, be ye holy. Why? Because I am holy. God is holy and we're to reflect his holiness. In the New Testament book of Hebrews in chapter 12, the writer says to keep our eyes on Jesus and then he continues, and in verse 14, he writes, Follow peace with all people and holiness, without which no one shall see the Lord. Ladies, what do people see in us? Let's turn our eyes and ears to Jesus. And if we hear his voice, let's not harden our hearts and be disobedient, but let's soften our hearts and obey. Until next time. And thank you so much for listening.